We want to welcome you to Centerville Community Church. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Today, we're here to celebrate the pinnacle event of our Christian faith. It's a risen Savior. Uh, It's the thing that unites Christ followers literally around the world. It's the most important event in all of human history. Think about all the events in human history that have been a pretty big deal. There's none greater. There's none greater than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He changed everything. He defeated the grave. Victory over death. He is risen. He's alive. We can be in personal relationship with Him. It's absolutely incredible. I was thinking on Good Friday, we had a gathering that was just beautiful um, at noon on Good Friday. Many of you were able to be at that. And one of the words that Jesus shares, a few words that He shares as He's on the cross uh, in John 19, uh, is, is, is He says this at the very end, and, and it's not just that, that, that this moment, but so many things were completed when Jesus took His last breath. And it was, He said on the cross when He was hanging there that it is finished. And imagine the people that were around during that time, uh, the, 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 the religious leaders, the Roman government officials, all of those that put him on the cross thought they had finally silenced Jesus. This phony teacher, uh, speaking heresy, trying to heal people, going from town to town and, and building a group of, that's, that's following him. And they thought they wiped him out. They thought they wiped out the whole Jesus movement, to be honest with you, because they were all in disarray. Uh, They were rock stars when Jesus was alive, when they're going town to town, and and now this Savior that they were following uh, was going to a grave. But the problem with so many of them that thought they won is they didn't get the whole book like you and I did. They didn't get the next chapter read to them in John 20 for what was about to come that Jesus was going to be alive, that He was going to defeat the grave, He was going to roll away the stone to His own grave and live. I want to read to you the story in John 20. It says, early in the morning on the first day of the week while it was still dark, picture being there. Every time I read Scripture, I think, man, what would it have been like to be at that scene in that moment? Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. If she already wasn't filled with emotion of what just happened to her Savior and King, now she goes and the stone is gone. She she ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. Imagine the emotion. They took the Master from the tomb, and we don't know where they put Him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. And the other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Peter was slow, like some of us in the room, right? Uh, He didn't get there first. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of the linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. And Simon Peter arrived after him, uh, after, uh, him and entered the tomb, observed the linen cloth lying there, and the kerchief used to cover the head, not lying with the linen clothes, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one whom had gotten there first, went into the tomb and took one look at the evidence. And I love this. It says he believed in a moment he was changed. No one yet knew from the Scripture that he had to rise from the dead. And the disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. Imagine another arrow shot into all of them. What in the world is going on? As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw the two angels sitting there. 
dressed in white, one at the head and the other at the foot where Jesus' body had been laid. And they said to her, woman, why do you weep? As if they knew something greater took place. They took my master, she said. And I don't know where they put him. And after she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. She just thought it was some guy. Actually, she thought it was the gardener, it says next. She said, mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Give him a proper burial. And then Jesus said, Mary. Imagine in that moment when she heard the words, Mary. You know your father's voice. You know your mother's voice. You know your family's voice. You would have been, you'd have been mesmerized. And Jesus says, Jesus says, Mary. Turning to face him, she in Hebrew said, Rabbi, meaning teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples. I saw the Master, and she told them everything he said to her. And John goes on and keeps talking that he revealed himself to the disciples and then to Thomas. And in that moment, the world was literally changed forever. There have been a lot of people, a lot of false prophets, if you will, that have come through history and thought that they were the Messiah. They would reveal themselves to people as if they were the supreme being. They were the way to enlightenment. They were the way to heaven. But all of them are dead. And there's not one of them that, that rolled away the stone to their own grave, but Jesus Christ. And it's incredible. It's an absolutely incredible story. And it's what our faith as Christ followers rest on, that the tomb is empty. You know, the Easter story is, is really about contrast. There is so much contrast uh, in, in the Easter story. There's death versus life, isn't there? There's, there's bad versus good. There's, there's evil versus goodness. There's hate versus love in the Easter story. There's violence and murder versus peace. And there's a, a cross versus an, an empty tomb. That there are literally no weekends on the Christian calendar that have more contrast, more tension, more power than Resurrection Weekend that we are celebrating today, we just sang about, and we're all excited about. Think about the, the cross and the empty tomb for a second, the contrast that went on. Uh, the cross. The cross would have been all about death versus life. It was a place where many experienced their last breath if they did not be obedient to the Roman government. Think about the empty tomb. It was a place where it was death Verse life. Uh, another way that could be said that we read in Scripture, it's painted this way, that it, it was darkness uh, verse light during this time. That the Bible makes it clear that when Jesus came into the world, He is the light of the world. And He penetrated the darkness. So as God sent His one and only Son to die on the cross for you and me, all the dark powers of the world that thought they stamped Jesus out, that they wiped out this phony, farce, ridiculous movement uh, called the way of Christ followers, uh, they were wrong. And light and darkness, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness clashed in a powerful, powerful way. You know the story, many of you, in John 19, when Jesus was on the cross. Uh, Jesus was on the cross. We read in the Bible that there was a man on his left and there was a man on his right with two totally different responses to the Savior of the world. It's no different than today. People hear the gospel message and they respond usually in one or two ways as these two men did. And one man that was on uh, Jesus' side 
began to shout at him. And he began to curse at him. And he said, if you're the Messiah, right? Would you just, would you save yourself and save me? Prove it, if you will. And the other guy that was on the other side of Jesus, he's like, he shouldn't even be here. We deserve to be here, right? And Jesus saw fit in this moment to extend grace to this man. Listen to what he said, Luke 23, verse 42. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Think of Jesus in this moment. He's beat beyond recognition. He's bleeding everywhere. His flesh is pretty much ripped off. Every time he takes a breath, it's pain. Every time he lets breath out, it's pain. And in this moment, he thinks of the other person. And he looks out for the other person. And he extends grace and mercy to someone that it's literally at the 12th hour of their life. And he extends them salvation. And he looks at them in Luke 23, verse 43. And and Jesus answered, truly, I tell you today, not a year from now, not when I come back, Not when if you make it off the cross and actually live through this thing and then go back and get your life together. Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Beautiful picture of grace. A beautiful picture of love. It is all about light and the darkness. And what happened on that day, Good Friday, that many of you are here to commemorate this last Friday at noon. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, Specifically between the hours of 12 and 3, the Bible says, that darkness, darkness fell over, fell over the land. Imagine that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 27, verse 45 through 54. If you have our app on your phone, we always put the verse under message notes, the verses that we're going through, you can go to that. It's an excuse to check scores, look at what's going on the rest of the day, whatever you may want to do. If you do not have our app, I encourage encourage you to go to our app store and and type in Centerville Community Church. You'll see a gray box with a white C, and it'll have everything Centerville Community Church on there. But here's what it says in Matthew 27. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. Jesus is on the cross. Death is imminent. Picture yourself being there, what it looks like. It's just the darkest night that you can ever experience. And this blanket of darkness comes over the land. He goes on, it says, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthanah, he said, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing there heard this, they said, hey, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Verse 50 says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He took on all of our sin, all of our brokenness. And at that moment, the curtain temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. In that moment, he fulfilled Isaiah 64, verse 1, when it talks about, Oh God, would you rend the heavens? Would you tear the heavens from top to bottom, is what Isaiah 64.1 says, and come down that the mountains would tremble before you. Prophecy, promise after promise coming through, coming before their very, very eyes. goes on in Matthew 28, says, After Sabbath at dawn, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. 
There was a violent earthquake as prophesied. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Listen to this description. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Picture that. And the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. For I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified And then the famous verse that our son has been responding to all week because he learned it at school. He is not here. He is risen. And it goes on and it says, he's risen from the dead. And he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. And now I have told you. Church, when the light of the gospel penetrates a heart or a soul, everything changes. When the light of the gospel penetrates those dark places in our life, those places we don't even want anybody to know about, uh, it illuminates and the light of the gospel shines brightly. Where? In the darkest spots. There are testimony. You You are filled with a room of testimonies of people that have stepped out of darkness and into the light. Their lives are forever changed. Does it mean they're perfect? Does it mean they don't have problems? Does it mean they don't find themselves in some sinful pattern? Uh, they do, all the above. But the light of the gospel has changed their life. It illuminates their life. They live for something different. Listen, because of the resurrection of what Jesus has done uh, on our behalf and some of the things that took place because the, the, the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, because of the resurrection, we know that death has been defeated and that we too will, will, will rise from the dead and be with Christ forever. It's a promise. And if there's a guy that dies and says he's coming back and he does and, he, and, he, and it actually happens, I'll believe in that. I'll follow that. That we can now enjoy, because of the resurrection of Jesus, fellowship with him forever. We don't need to go to a temple. We don't need to travel a journey to, to a place far, far away to be in the Holy of Holies or be in the presence of God. Your body is a temple and Jesus dwells. If you say yes to Him inside of you, you can be in fellowship with Him forever. The Bible says because of the resurrection, He is now the name above every name. And Revelation points to that there will be a day, and it's coming. And I would say we're in the ballpark of it coming sooner than later. There will be a day when every knee will bow. And the Bible says every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The resurrection means Jesus kept His word. It means that He actually fulfilled the Scriptures that are promised to us by God. The resurrection allows us to experience forgiveness of sin so that we can be in right standing with Him. It allows us to experience salvation. To be made whole. To be made right before a holy God. The resurrection, and because of it, allows us to have our our future destiny to not only be with Him, but to see Him and dwell with Him forever. We just sang about it a little bit ago. Because of the resurrection, we can find meaning and hope in great tragedy. Some of you in this room have experienced unspeakable tragedy in your life. And you can experience hope. You can experience grace as you walk through it because of the resurrection. That church, no matter what we walk through, we can experience hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of you have watched people go through some of the most horrific things ever. And it's like, why in the world do you have joy right now? It doesn't make sense. 
It's because that person's hope is in something far greater than just the things that are on this land. Their hope is in the things, in the things above. We could go on and on saying, because of the resurrection, this and that. And while Christ followers, uh, it seems at times they can, they can butt heads. While Christ followers all around the world uh, have different ways of looking at things, have different theological beliefs. While Christ followers around the world have different denominational preferences and worship styles and all the stuff they love to say, this is what it looks like to be in a relationship with Jesus. There's, only, there's one huge thing that unites us all. Tens of millions of people, just like you gathered in local churches today, and it's united around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It gives us hope. It's what Easter's all about. That darkness has been overcome by light. That death has been overcome by life. Because the stone's been rolled away. Church, we don't have to look too far um, to realize that there's darkness all over this planet. It's everywhere. Uh, you pop on the news or look at the, you know, the news feed on your phone. Um, it seems like every day we are confronted with brokenness, tragedy. Some of you probably saw the, the thing this morning with the church in Sri Lanka that went through, I think, a bombing. There was something terrible that took place there today. There's hurt. There's pain. There's brokenness everywhere. And if you read through the Bible long enough, one of the things you'll find is this, is that it paints a picture of our enemy, Satan, is he is the author. He's the author of darkness. He's the author of darkness. And that's why we see bad news tragedy, hurt, pain because of the fall in Genesis 3, that we look everywhere and we see it. We also see another word used for darkness in Scripture, that, that the enemy is, is, is a pro. He has no new tricks, but he, he's good at this. He, he can confuse. He'll confuse people. And one of the other words that's used in the Bible that he does is he blinds people from the truth. He will blind a mind. He will blind a heart from the truth. Another thing that he talks about in the Bible that the enemy does is he, he talks about bad deeds or evil in the world. And because of the fall, Genesis 3, there is evil in the world. There's brokenness, there's pain. And it stands for this dark predicament that we're in. The human predicament we're in. That all of us are, are, are bound to keep running back to the flesh and satisfying the flesh and satisfying the things of this world and all of our desires. And it's the dark predicament. And Jesus comes along and Resurrection Sunday comes along and says, I want to give you hope. I want to give you something far, far greater. And all around the world, people are bound up in addiction. There's sex slavery going on all around the world. There's, there, there's drug addiction going on all around the world. People are hurting people. There's shootings. There's evil. We would all agree with that around the world. But here's one of the things that I do often and you may do as well. We often think evil, you know, it's that thing out there. But evil is, is right here. There's evil in me. And the Bible paints a pretty grim picture that there's evil in you as well. That our tendency is to go towards the flesh. It says in Romans 3.23 that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That we're all sinful. That's who we are. And that's what he talks to us about. And Jesus comes along and says, no, 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 we're going to change all of that. We're not quite ready for that yet, but I like this preaching darkness. <laughs> Either way. It's just part of the illustration. Uh, let, me, let me remind you. 
It's Resurrection Sunday. We're here to celebrate Jesus. There's no question about that. But I want you to remind you as well that we have an enemy. And he is all about darkness. He's the author of darkness. And let me see if this has ever happened to you. The enemy's deceptive. He'll blind you. He'll tailor make something just for you because he knows you'll fall right into it. He'll lie to you. He'll lure you in. He'll place something in front of you that's like, this isn't a big deal, it's not that bad, and then we'll jump all in. He's the great deceiver. I want you to read the scripture with me up on the screen out loud. It's 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. Read it with me. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He masquerades himself. He lures you in. He deceives you. He's the great tempter. He's known as the accuser, the Bible says. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that Satan, who is the God of this age, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What's Paul say they're unable to see? They cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And Paul makes very clear that light has a name. And that light's name is Jesus. And he's the name above every name. He's the name above all names. In Psalm 21 in the Old Testament, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know what the greatest fear people have today? If you were to do a poll on the street, you probably hear a lot of them, but one that would rise to the top is the fear of dying. It's the fear of unknown, of, of what could be next. It's the fear, where am I headed after this? Is this it? You know, is this earth all there is? It's the fear of dying. And resurrection weekend comes along and it gives us hope because it says as you step out of darkness into light, the resurrection weekend would tell you you don't need to fear you don't need to fear death because death has been defeated by Jesus Christ. John 8 verse 12 it says I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Church there's a light in the world. Oh, you may walk around this week and see all the negative. See the darkness and it's there as well. But there is a light that has penetrated the darkness that's already won the victory that will allow you to win the victory as well. And he has a name. And his name is Jesus. And I wonder today, it's something we've been praying about, if there is literally the day for some in this room to make a first-time commitment to step out of light, out of light, out of darkness into light. I wonder if there's some in this room that would say, you know what, it's, it's about as clear as day that I haven't been living for the Lord and there's darkness welled up inside of me. And I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And God, I want to I relinquish control. I want to give my life to you. There could be some in here as well that, uh, like yesterday with the cloud and rain, it just feels like there's a constant cloud hanging over you. It feels like there's always a drip. It's always raining. And you would love nothing more to, to step out of underneath that cloud and step into, step into the light. Jesus would love nothing more as well. He's paved the way. 
He's made a way for you to step into the light. I love this quote by Max Licato. It's a beautiful picture of what our Savior's done for us. It says, if there are a thousand steps between you and God, God will take 999 of them and leave the last one for you. Tells me that God wants you back. That if there are a thousand steps to God, that he's already paved the way with 999 steps, and he's just asking you to take one. He's already made a way. He didn't make us to be spiritual robots, but he gave us a free will, like the two on the cross, to either deny the Savior or to say, Savior, I need you so bad. And I believe in this room today, some of you are ready to take that last step and follow Jesus for the first time. How many of you are visual learners like me? You probably learn the best from somebody drawing something. Well, I'm going to draw, and it's bad, so don't make fun of that part of it. Um, anybody remember when John Madden would be on football and he'd try to draw the play and it didn't even make sense? This is what this is going to be, but I'll talk through it. Hopefully it'll make sense that way. Uh, but when you think about the contrast between, between us and God, it's pretty big, isn't it? I mean, you read through Scripture, and, and uh, as I read through Scripture, and think about the attributes of who He is, what He stands for, what He's about, the character of our Savior, and then I look in the mirror at myself, it's pretty ugly. We serve a God that's holy, uh, and I look in the mirror, and I'm not, I'm not always holy. I don't know about you. We serve a God that's good, that's perfect, that always has the best interest of others. And I look in the mirror, and I'm far from all of those. So I want to draw a picture today to show the contrast of who, of who God uh, is in relationship uh, to us. So we'll draw these two lines. Hopefully you can see it. And we'll put on this side is God, and this side is us, and I'm a stick figure person, so we just draw stick figure people. This is us, eyes, he needs to be happy, it's Easter, and put some hair on there, and that is us. And you can see there's a great chasm, a great chasm between God and us. And on our side, one of the things that we see often and and we experience often because of the fallen world that we live in is darkness. And darkness manifests itself in so many ways. You can maybe think back to some of the dark times of your life. Choices you're just not real proud of. Dark moments where you got lured in. You got deceived. And darkness can manifest itself in so many ways. And one of the ways we see right now that darkness manifests itself in a a great way uh, is hate. That darkness manifests itself in hate. That instead of loving our brothers and sisters that may look different, act different, be different than us, we'd rather find something that's different and then hate them or despise them, or have issue with them. And because of darkness, hate has entered, entered the world. Another way that uh, darkness manifests itself uh, in the world is, is through violence and through divisiveness. That all around the world, probably even in this moment, there is violent acts, there's, there's stuff going on, there's divisiveness, there's people at each other's necks, that darkness is brought on hate and violence. In our world, uh, many of us, this is a part of our story, and we still battle with it once in a while. There's pride, where we think the world revolves around our little life. We're like a speck of dust in history, right? And we, we just walk through life thinking people owe us, and that we're number one, and the world kind of revolves around me, and pride is all over the place, and it's ugly. And all of us would say we don't like to be around somebody full of pride, but yet we embody it once in a while. 
Uh, there's another one that we could put up here around the world that I, I mentioned with that bombing in Sri Lanka and shootings that we see today. There's evil. There's just flat out evil in the world. There's hurt. There's brokenness. There's pain. We go to God's side and, and we begin to write down some attributes of God. Instead of darkness, we have, we have light. That it says in the Bible that Jesus is the light of the world. And we wouldn't have to write down one more attribute today for that to be enough for us to say, wow, how do we experience that? How do we experience that light? And instead of embodying hate, our God actually embodies, embodies love. That God is love, the Bible tells us. We sing about it. We read scripture about it. We talk about it. Uh, we want to we embody it ourselves and what it means to love other people well and to love Him well. It's what He's called us to do. That instead of violence, there's, there's, there's peace. Our God is a God of peace. Uh, we serve a God that it says in the Bible that He's the Prince of, right? The Prince of Peace. And that's who our God is. Instead of pride, what did Jesus model before us before He went to the cross and really His entire life uh, while He was on this earth? He modeled humility, didn't He? He modeled humility. There wasn't a prideful bone in His body. And He showed us what it looks to to lay down our life for others. To live our lives for others. To walk in humility. And instead of evil, we serve a God that is full of goodness. Full of goodness. Look at the contrast between us and God. It's huge. The chasm is so big. We have no way of getting from here to here on our own. Can't go to church enough. You can't read enough scripture. You can't sing enough songs. There's only one way. And it says in Galatians uh, 4, that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son on a cross for you and for me in His perfect timing. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son so that we could be in right standing with the Father. He made a way. He paved a way for us to be able to receive this incredible gift so that we could cross over, so that we could experience the light that He offers to every single one of us. Isn't that incredibly powerful? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, I would put all this over here if you were to sum it all up. We know what sin is. For the wages of sin is what? It's death. That's not good for us. Because that's where we're headed. is to death and destruction and, and more and more brokenness. Thank goodness there's a second half to this verse, right? It's not just the wages of sin is death, but he says the gift of God, this incredible, incredible gift to you and to me is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So while we had no way on our own, God made a way. And He paid the penalty for every single one of our sins and our brokenness. I hope you see the power in that today. And I believe that there's some in this room today that God is, is calling that He wants to illuminate. He wants to illuminate your heart for you to respond to this great gift of light. Because here's the deal. When you do, you can have the full assurance that someday when you're called home, because our lives aren't going to go on forever, 
that someday when you go home, you have the assurance of being with your Savior in heaven forever and not separated from God with the author of darkness. I'm sure there's some in this room today as we close out in song. We're going to celebrate this beautiful gift of life through the gift of baptism in a moment with three youngsters that are going to come out. Uh, One young girl and then two young boys and their dad's going to be a part of baptizing and be such a special moment. One of our elders is going to baptize their sons. And before we do that, I want to give us a moment uh, to respond to this incredible gift that Jesus extends to us. Some of you are in here today, and it'll be the first time that you said, I, I understand on the shadow of a doubt that I need to step out of darkness into light. There's others of you in this room today that uh, you're at another place. You remember following Jesus. You remember accepting him years ago. Uh, and yet, you've just kind of gone in your own direction. And so today, you realize the power of the light and what the cross brings to you and to me. And, and you would say today, God, I, I want to, April you know, uh, 21st, 2019, Easter 2019, I want to draw a line in the sand. I want to recommit my life back to you. So as we close in prayer, I invite you, wherever you're at, to follow along in this prayer that we're about to share. Let's pray. God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you for making a way. God, we are like fragile clay pots. We crack easily. We break easily. We fall apart easily. But God, there's going to be a day. The Bible paints it as clear as day. Where we're going to stand before you. And God, we can have the rested assurance of a hope of heaven if we step into the light. But God, we know without that, it's separation from you and it's, it's an eternity with the author of darkness, which the Bible calls hell. So with every eye bowed in here, I want to give you a moment to respond for a first time to come to Jesus. And I pray that you would say this prayer with me right now. Father, I realize I'm broken before you. God, my sin debt is so big. And today, I ask for the forgiveness of my sins. I put all of my trust, all of my hope in what you did for me in your death, burial, and resurrection. So today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. God, I invite you in. And today I put my trust in you. With your eyes still bowed, if that was something that you made a confession today to God that you need him, would you slip your hand up for a second just so I can see the hands in the room and thank our God in heaven for how good he is. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you. And God, for the one in here that feels like they've just gone down the beaten path their own way. And their heart today is yearning, is longing to feel communion, to feel peace with you. And they would say, God, I want to recommit my life back to you. Easter Sunday, 2019. My hands are open. And I'm all of yours. 
God, I pray that that would happen in this moment. If you're in here today and are drawing a line in the sand to say Easter Sunday 2019, I, I recommit my life back to Christ, would you slip your hand in the air for a second? Thanks. That honors God, honors the cross. God, we love you and we thank you for your spirit that is at work in this room. Thank you for the cross. And in this coming moments, God, I pray that this worship experience is personalized as we praise you for what you've done for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.